You're listening to Fun Times in Flushing, a positive podcast about the New York Mets. I am Michael Smith, here to talk Mets baseball with you. Today we're talking taking two out of three from San Diego, injury scares, and all-around good news. Let's get into it. Theme was from Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your podcast themes at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. If you want to find any links discussed in today's show or to learn more about the show, go to funandflushing.com slash 30. All right. I was in the ballpark at City Field for the first time since the David Wright game at the end of 2018, and I was there for Friday night's game, game one against the San Diego Padres. And I went because of Jacob DeBrom. You know, I had kind of circled this game on my calendar as a possible return to City Field because of the Padres coming into town, Fernando Tatis Jr., all that good stuff. But when DeGrom lined up to pitch on that Friday evening, I decided that I had to be there, and I'm glad I was. The crowd went crazy for DeGrom every chance they got. There was a ton of energy in the ballpark. It was so much fun. Mets loaded the bases early, but Blake Snell got a double play out of Dom Smith to keep the game scoreless. First of two double plays on the night for Dom. Really looked like he was breaking out of it last week in San Diego, but he went 0 for 12 in this series. He is 0 for his last 20. Things not looking good. Not competitive at bats. Not good swings on the ball. He ended up in the series. He should have hit two more double plays, but he was able to leg him out and only put one out up on the board, but it just, it was not a good series for Dom in the least bit, just not looking good at all. But Jacob DeGrom was Jacob DeGrom. He struck out 10 over six innings. He gave up one hit to Will Myers in the fifth, and you could feel the disappointment from everybody in the ballpark, including DeGrom, who dropped to a crouch as he watched Myers' slow ground ball go through the open hole in the shift. Bit of a deflating moment. It felt like it was that kind of night where he could really do something special. He admitted afterwards he felt as though it might have been that kind of night, but it ended up not being the case. And as some people have pointed out, might have been a little bit of good news that he gave up that hit. Because imagine if he had not given up that hit, if he was through six perfect innings, and then he had to be removed because of the flexor tendonitis. But we'll get to that in a moment. The best moment of the night came when the Mets were at the plate. After Kevin Pillar and Billy McKinney led off the bottom of the fifth with back-to-back doubles to give the Mets a 1-0 lead, Jose Peraza walked to put runners on first and second with no outs for Jake. On the first pitch, he squared to bunt, but elicited an audible reaction from the crowd when he pulled it back and swung through for strike one. Everybody was so excited when he did this. It was a special moment. Everybody was so dejected when he squared, and then when he pulled it back and swung, you you felt excited. But then everybody kind of accepted that he was going to bunt after strike one. He seemed prepared to give himself up, and then all of a sudden Snell balked and put runners on second and third. Still nobody out. Everybody knew he was swinging. MVP chants are raining down on the field. And what does this guy do? He lines a two-run single to the left, puts the Mets up 3 nothing. I mean, you could see it when Peraza high-fives McKinney as he crosses home plate. You could feel it in the crowd. 
back to that whole strangers high-fiving thing. Everybody's like running and jumping up and down. It was as loud and crazy as I've heard that ballpark in a very long time. There's just a different energy. You know, there's been some discussion recently about does DeGrom Day match Harvey Day? He's obviously a better pitcher, but Harvey Day was a revelation. The franchise was in one of its darkest periods when Harvey came up, and there was something special about Harvey Day. DeGrom Day's getting right up to it with a good team that has a chance to really do something special. It's not quite the same, but it's, it's approaching that level. And it was really fun, and you could tell the players were feeling it, and the fans were feeling it, and it just, it's special. And I recommend if you have the chance, Jake is pitching, and you can go to the game, I recommend that you do it immediately. If you can go Wednesday, go Wednesday. It's, it's a special, special experience. Unfortunately, though, as I mentioned, Jake felt some pain in his hand, that right flexor, tendonitis. He expects to make his net start, which is good news. But the Mets went to Miguel Castro, who felt some pain in his neck, but not before Jake Cronenworth took him deep to make it 3-2. So Seth Ludo came in to get the Mets through it. Aaron Loop came in in the 8th and felt some pain in his shoulder after Jorge Mateo hit it with a line drive. Loop was okay, but came out of the game anyway. The Mets decided to forego handing the ball to Familia instead opting for Edwin Diaz. He got fam in the 8th, then struck out Tatis and Cronenworth before getting... The ever-booed Eric Hosmer with the tying run aboard and the Mets for winners 3-2. Just nice. Just nice to be in the ballpark here back in the New York groove. Watch the handshake line form. Really good night. If you're concerned about COVID things, there was checking for vaccination proof, and I felt safe. I wore a mask most of the night except for when I was eating, but a lot of people weren't if that, you know affects your decision at all, but I felt safe. I felt like it was a good environment to be in. It was fun. Everybody was having a good time. It's a good time at City Field. So if if those are things you're comfortable with, I recommend getting back out there. But the game was good as well. I mean, I'm sure if you're watching on TV, it was a fun one. The MVP chants were crazy. The drum is on another level. It'd be really nice to see him feel good and healthy and power through and you know this is a this would have been a nice game to see him go seven eight innings before handing the ball to Diaz I mean we we saw this play out over the course of the series and we're gonna get into it this had a major effect on game three and potentially really stopped the Mets from sweeping the series obviously if he's not feeling right you gotta get him out of there it's a war you know it's a marathon not a sprint so they obviously did the right thing, but as dominant as he's been this year, this is not the first issue that's popped up. The Mets have to figure out a way to get him right and, and, and stop these issues from popping up if they're going to be contenders down the stretch, which obviously it looks like they are. On to game two after Joe Musgrove hit Jonathan VR with a pitch to lead off the bottom of the first inning. Francisco Lindor kept the good vibes going with a two-run homer to provide Marcus Stroman with all the offense he would need. Stroman was marvelous, allowing six hits over six and a third innings, striking out eight. The one blemish was a home run to Fernando Tatis Jr., but otherwise he was brilliant. Brilliant again, and the Mets again went to Loop, Lugo, and Diaz to close it out. Dom Smith hit a ground ball with the bases loaded, but he laid this one out to give the Mets their, th- to give the Mets their third run 
and Jonathan VR added a home run to give Diaz some cushion for his 12th save. Billy McKinney was originally in the lineup for this one, but was scratched due to some knee soreness. Another good win. Uh, you know, the home run to Tatis Jr., which he absolutely crushed. But other than that, the Mets pitching did a really good job, you know, in all but the last game against the San Diego Padres. This is a big-time offense, and they really only came out and hit us one time. And say for one inning, you know, if you take out that, take out that one inning, they really didn't hit us at all in all the seven games. So I think that bodes very well for any potential meetings down the line. And I think it really just shows you how good this pitching staff has been as a whole. You know, there's been a lot of talk about David Peterson and his struggles recently. But from DeGrom to Stroman to Taiwan Walker to Edwin Diaz to now Seth Ludo's in the mix to Aaron Loop to Trevor May to Jerry's Familia, this pitching staff has been really really good. And I think they match up with any lineup. They definitely need more offensive firepower. They've been scoring enough runs, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'd like to be scoring more. Uh, but, you know, we're going to talk about it. These guys are coming back off the IL very soon. We're going to start seeing some familiar faces. This offense is going to pick it up. They're holding on to that lead. They're giving themselves a cushion. They're not just treading water. They're gaining ground. If they can get these guys back, if they can get going, this team has the ability to really start to separate themselves in this division, which, if they can do that, they can sustain a, a slump down the line should that occur. I guess we should talk about Game 3. Things started out great. Joey Lucchese had his best start as a Met after a leadoff home run to Tommy Pham. He went five innings, striking out six, and he left with the lead after Peraza took Chris Paddock deep to make it 2-1 Mets. Then the Mets went to the bullpen. Seth Lugo, used two days in a row, not available. Aaron Loop, used two days in a row, not available. Edwin Diaz, used two days in a row, not available. Miguel Castro, stiff neck, not available. Luis Rojas went to Jerry's Familia, who let the first two men on in the sixth, but escaped. He did it again in the seventh and was almost out of it. He got Yurits and Profar to two strikes and had him tempted to go fishing on a few sliders, but couldn't get him to bite. At that point, the Mets had probably... Asked too much of Familia, but options were very scarce with all the pitchers unavailable. So when Familia had to be removed from the game after walking Fam on four pitches with the bases loaded to tie the game, they went to Jacob Barnes to face Tatis. After the game, Luis Rojas said he was saving Trevor May for a more than one out situation. He was most likely set to close, but that was all out the window when Tatis unloaded a grand slam to make it 6-2 Padres. Machado added one to make it 7-2. The Mets threatened but couldn't do much as the Padres took this one 7-3. It got ugly. I mentioned all the relievers that were unavailable. McKinney was still out because of the sore knee. Jonathan VR appeared to not even be at the ballpark. He was tending to a personal matter, according to the Mets. Rojas had, had to put Tomas Nito at third base late in the game after James McCann pinch hit, and really because they were short on bodies, had to stay in the game. Then with nobody left on his bench... Mark Melanson recorded the final out of the game on pinch hitter Robert Gazelman. Rojas caught a lot of flack for this one in hindsight. Yeah, he should have gone to May to get Tatis. But if that all works out, it's 2-2, and you have to go to Jacob Barnes in the ninth inning, and he gives up a couple runs, we could have ended up having the same conversation if Gazelman batted in the ninth inning with two outs, down just one run. It would have got real ugly. I just... 
At the end of the day, for a variety of reasons, Rojas managed this game with a 20-man roster. He was down six guys, and he still had the lead in the late innings, and his pitchers lined up the way he wanted them. Just didn't work out. The Mets won the series, and they have to feel positive coming out of it and heading into a four-game series at Citi Field with the Chicago Cubs. DeGrom expects to make his net start in that series. That's good news. Jeff McNeil started his rehab assignment, and expects to be back next weekend. That's good news. Michael Conforto expects to be back the weekend after that. That's good news. Brandon Nimmo, according to Anthony DeCromo, what was originally thought to be a nerve issue was determined to be a ligament issue, and now that the Mets know what they're dealing with, he also expects to start a rehab assignment next week. That's good news. And with all these guys coming back, the Mets are soon to have a very crowded Major League roster. You know, we can talk about Jose Peraza, how good he's been, how good Mason Williams has been really good, Billy McKinney, I mean, Jonathan VR. These guys have been incredible in holding down the fort. And while, you know, you don't want to start just cutting everybody loose because you're still going to need that depth, more guys could go down on the IL. The Mets have to look at this as an opportunity. They have some trade pieces, guys that could help other big league teams. If teams are willing to part with some major league starting pitching, that could benefit the Mets. You know, they can no longer count on the returns of Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Carrasco. I do think we will see those guys this year, but not in time soon. You know, I, I would really like to see David Peterson turn it around, but the Mets also can't count on that. They need to find starting pitching depth. They seem to have been not too keen on calling up Thomas Pukki or Jared Eikhoff or, you know, some of the other arms they have down, Franklin Kilome, some of the other arms they have down in the minor leagues. I would, I would just like to see them get a little bit aggressive and bring in a major league starting pitcher. You know, they, they don't seem to want to go to Sean Reed Foley. And you know what? They're going to have to. They have three doubleheaders coming up. They're going to need extra arms. But all in all, really good weekend for the Mets, even if it did end a little sour. You know, we just, baseball has these ebbs and flows. We have to take a step back, acknowledge things are looking good for this team right now. They're playing well. They finally started, you know, with the San Diego Padres beating good teams. Keep that going with the Cubs. You know, going into that Padre series, the Mets did not have a good record against above 500 teams. They've improved that. Keep it going this week with the Cubs. You have David Peterson on Monday. After that, you have Walker, DeGrom, Stroman at home. That's an opportunity to pick up some games, keep padding their division lead, and start getting some bodies back. After that series, you should get McNeil back, as I mentioned. Conforto's coming soon after that. Hopefully, Nimmo soon after that. The Mets have a lot to look forward to right now. They got an opportunity here to just really further their lead and, and and make themselves comfortable moving forward. But like I said, it starts tomorrow. It starts Monday with David Peterson against the Cubs. I wrote an article on funandflushing.com. Click to the blog. It's about David Peterson. It's about what's different from 2020 to 2021. And there's a lot. You look at his pitch mix. You look at his pitch location. You look at his pitch movement. Something's not right with David Peterson. And, you know, some of that's not correctable. The movement, I, I don't want to speculate that there's any sort of injury, but that's not something I, I don't think he can fix immediately in the short term, but he can try to locate his pitches better. He could try to mix up the pitch mix a little bit better and see if he can find some more success. You know, that's kind of what I'd like to see from David moving forward, but if you want to read me get into that a little bit further... 
funandflushing.com. Click to the blog. It should be the first article that pops up, What's Wrong with David Peterson? So please go check that out. That does it for me on this episode. I'm happy to be back doing this podcast. I stepped away for a little bit. There are going to be some changes coming, but I'm going to get into that on the next episode. So please make sure you check that one out. If you want to join the conversation, leave me a voicemail, 845-206-9098, or you can send an email to funtimesandflushing at gmail.com. If you want to find any of this information or links to any podcast players that you might use, funinflushing.com slash 30. That's funinflushing.com slash the numbers three zero. Please subscribe, rate, review the show. Follow me on Twitter at msmithfif for fun in flushing, or follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at funinflushing. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Fun Times and Flushing. I'll be back on Thursday to recap the Cup series. I'll talk to you then. Let's go Mets.